Welcome home, where homeownership matters for all. A production of the Orange Chatham Association of Realtors. A voice for real property rights. Hi there, this is Marsha Vaughn, the host of Ochart's 2022 Talkabout. I want to welcome you to session three of this series. Today's guest, Angela Roll, will be discussing modern homes in North Carolina and how she turned her passion for that topic into a real estate practice focused on that niche. I am so happy to be sitting here with Angela Roll. Angela is a realtor slash broker with Fathom Realty. She is also the BIC of her own firm, Angela Roll LLC. And uh, she has been licensed since 2014, but has been in the business uh, peripherally since, what did you say, about 2000? About 2000. Yeah. So welcome. Thank you. Thank you. Glad to be here. Oh, good. Thank you so much for doing this. We are going to talk today, Angela, about niche marketing, but also about modern homes in North Carolina, which you are truly an expert in. I don't think I'm ever going to admit to being an expert, but I'm truly passionate. (laughs) I, I think we will all agree after this podcast that you are truly an expert, but I appreciate your modesty. Okay, so tell me, um, how were you always a fan of modern homes? Oh, well, just architecture in general. And um, as a a young girl growing up in South Carolina, um, my dad, we we built our own house in the 70s, and I witnessed all of that. And... um, he would, I would say, dad, build me a playhouse. Cause I just seen them build this house and he would go build your own damn playhouse. <laughs> and so he would give me tools cause he worked for Cooper industries, all of the flops. And he would say, here you go. He would give me saws and wrenches and anything I oh, wanted. Wow. Tell, us, so, tell us what Cooper industries is. Well, they are a conglomerate. It used to be Weller soldering guns, crescent wrenches, Nicholson file with scissors, um, just about any kind of hand tool, plum hammers. A lot of wow. it's been divested since wow. then, but it used to be headquarters was here on Glenwood Avenue in Raleigh, North Carolina. Oh, so okay. um, that's kind of the connection that we had to the area from South Carolina because he was coming up here all the time. Gotcha. Mm-hmm. Wow. So it was it was in the blood. I come from a long line of creative people, engineers, artists, architects. Um, so it and your mom was okay with him handing you a saw at a young age and <laughs> well, telling you to go she, build something? <laughs> she didn't like the shanties I was building on the side of her brand new house. But um, and they and I saw how they went about building a house. They they did a lot of research and a lot of times us kids we were kicked out of the house, go outside and play while they were working on the drafting board and designing the house. Um, they that's when Williamsburg was really, really, really um, popular in the 17, uh, in the 1975 range, um, because it was the bicentennial and they were celebrating and all of the architecture and, um, archeological digs that had been happening at Williamsburg. So that was very influential in their design process, but it wasn't simply buying a plan. They weren't designing a modern home. No, they were not. Um, so I saw the process. And I eventually ended up at College of Charleston for an art degree. 
And that's when Hurricane Hugo hit. Oh, wow. And so I witnessed what was that? the, the late destru- 80s? 89, yeah. And um, I witnessed the destruction of such a beautiful, almost European city. And then I watched the rebirth. And I, from my little small town view, had never even heard of adaptive reuse of existing structures. And that was thrilling to me to see them take these old warehouses, old horse stables, and convert them into you know, restaurants or flats or a new retail. And I... That would be inspirational to watch, I'm sure. Oh, it was. And it was so much fun. But you were studying architecture. You were studying (laughs) art. And College of Charleston, unfortunately, did not have an architecture program. But students from Clemson University were there for the summer and Mm -hmm. doing a special assignment down there. Um, I'd also gone on archaeological digs down there and just, so I was surrounded by it, but I was a little intimidated about architecture as a practice. Uh And you were awfully young too, to be, (laughs) just, just to be observing all that and trying to digest it. Yeah. So, um, my junior year, I said, dad, I really think architecture is where I need to be. And plus, I'd done a little bit more research and understood quite um, quite soon that it was going to be hard for me to make a living as an artist. <laughs> and a friend of mine... Um, I'm laughing because my <laughs> youngest child right now is in the College of Art and Design at NC State, and oh. we're hoping that she figures out how she's going to make a living. Well, I ended up graduating from NC State. It was Did the School you? of Design when I was there. Oh, okay. And that school is the the genesis of all modern here in North Carolina oh, because wow. of I didn't know yes that. we are the third largest concentration of modernist residential properties in the United States say that again we North Carolina is i believe it still is the third largest concentration of modernist residential architecture in the United States. That's amazing. Yeah. How how did that happen? Well, Henry Camp Hefner came from Oklahoma to the School of Design right after World War II. At at NC State. At NC State. Oh, my gosh. He was allowed to clean house, get rid of all those people, that all the professors that were not cutting edge and not um, really reflecting modern design principles. So that's when he was bringing people like Buckminster Fuller. Um, Mies van der Rohe came to, to talk at the, the College of Design. Uh, Frank Lloyd Wright actually came and spoke mm-hmm. at Dorton Arena. Um, and so, so wait, what, I'm sorry, what time period? This was like late 40s, 50s, wow. Wow. 60s. Um, that's this when really the School early. of Design was just on fire. And huh. Henry Camp Hefner also said, Okay, professors, you also need to practice. You can't just teach. So that's why we have so many residences that are these weird, funky, cool, exhilarating, definitely intellectual Mm -hmm. um, properties Mm -hmm. around, especially the Triangle area. Mm -hmm. Wow. Is that where the largest concentration is within North Carolina? Well, the thing about modernist architecture and modernist residential architecture is the whole, it, it's based on the notion that let nature in. And so yeah. what do you need? You need large pieces of property for that and something wonderful to look at. So uh-huh. that's why you see these little small houses with lots of glass in the back um, and lots of trees, something beautiful. And that's why they're also such a target for developers 
buying them, tearing them down, and putting oh. five McMansions on. Wow. So wow. that's kind of the, the wow. story in a nutshell. Okay. Yeah. Fascinating. <laughs> so, I, I did not know. I'm not a native of North <clears throat> Carolina, but I'm not even sure. I, I don't think most natives realize that unless they, they have that aesthetic interest in modern. And um, I have some friends that definitely have that. And it was not promoted at the school of design when I was there either. I had no idea until I met George Smart back in 2014. Wow. Um, Because he, he's the one that started um, the nonprofit North Carolina modernist. Okay. We want to talk about that. How did that get started? He started, but how did it get started and when? Well, George is the son of an architect. He is not a a licensed architect himself, but he has a lot of the background for it. Um, As an adult, he wanted to build a modernist house and started trying to Google everything and figured out there was no one repository of modern, especially in our area. So he starts building a spreadsheet and then friends started seeing his spreadsheet and they said, why don't you should put this online? So he built a little website and it was Triangle Modernist Houses at that time. And he kept adding and adding. And now it is such a wonderful resource. And if the site ever goes down, so many college kids call up George and say, hey, oh, my gosh, I've got a paper due. You've got to get the site back up. So, um, Well, I remember when I had a listing here in in Chapel Hill and I called you and said, I think this is a modernist (laughs) home, but I'm not sure. And you referred me to that registry and we Mm -hmm. discovered, yes, it is. Uh So that was exciting. It It was exciting for everybody involved, the the sellers, the buyers, me as the listing agent. (laughs) And it was such a cool house. Well, I think it's always nice that when you have a really cool, interesting property that you love, and then you figure out, oh my gosh, other people think it's amazing too. Mm-hmm. Um, it, some of the listings you'll see in MLS will even say it's listed on ncmodernist.org. Yeah, yeah. So it's it's not a historic designation, but it's like, hey, it's uh-huh. listed here. Somebody else thinks this house is amazing too. Do you think it ever will be a historic designation? I don't know. I think that would take a lot more um, hoops to go through. Mm -hmm. Um, But as far as preservation is concerned, there are different ways to preserve a house. And um, that would be through more of the preservation channels. But as you and I know, a lot of the buyers can um, take away some of those um, preservation covenants after. So it it is, we try, but... Uh um, You know, and modern houses, they often lend to people that are intellectual and creative. Um, When you tell a creative there's a boundary, there's a limit, that doesn't go over well many times. (laughs) Like, okay, I'll put the preservation easement on after I'm through doing with what I want to Uh do. uh Um, But then they don't want anybody else to tear it down. And that's the main, main focus of those easements. So does NC Modernist have uh, any kind of architectural review board? If you're building something or wanting to do a renovation, is there anybody there you can go to and say, advise us? Well, a lot of people start with the staff. Um, George Smart is the executive director. They'll call George. Um, Rebecca Laney is business development. And she's also um, has a background in architecture as well. And then if you go to the site, you'll see that there's all of the North Carolina practicing modernist architects. And um, you can go click on them and then see all of their 
um, their body of work that we're aware of and start reviewing. And mm-hmm. then it's a, a great way for architects to be able to advertise uh-huh. because, you know, architects uh-huh. don't advertise um, like on billboards or their normal marketing channels. It's almost like yeah. you see a cool house, then you have to go figure out who, who designed that. it yes. and are they still alive? So tell us what your role is within NC Modernist. Well, I am a sponsor, um, and then I'm also the tour manager for the architecture tours. So, you know, we have a merry band of archa geeks, I like to call them. (laughs) We're just huge fanatics. We get very passionate. We um, conduct tours all over North Carolina. Um, the United States, and then also um, before the pandemic, one a year overseas, say in Europe, oh, Scandinavia. Really? We have oh. um, had Dubai on our <laughs> docket for a while now, yeah. um, but because of the pandemic, it's been pushed and pushed. And now um, the reason we were going is the World's Fair. And now the World's Fair, unfortunately, is ending and um, our tour has been pushed to this fall. So we'll okay. still get to see a lot of the cutting edge, um, more commercial museums and more of the commercial okay. buildings there. Okay, because the I was trying to picture Dubai with modernist. <gasps> I mean, it's nothing but modern, but in terms of having any history. And that's why. It, I okay. mean, we've got historic modern, uh-huh. and then we also have... Cutting edge today, okay, gotcha, modern. Gotcha. You know, um, they, the UAE has lots of money. <laughs> and they can attract a lot of over-the-top architecture. And, oh and, and So you, do I understand you will not be doing that trip to Dubai? We will, but eventually. we will not be going to the World's Fair, which was a portion okay. of that, where all the countries show off their latest technological advances. Mm-hmm. Um, and mainly it was about sustainability. And, you know, I mean, as we try to get... Uh, reduce our dependence on oil, especially how do we do things better? How do we design buildings that are cutting edge and leave a less of a footprint and um, depend more on solar and wind and those kind of technologies, okay. you know, at a large scale that yeah, we can yeah. actually benefit from them. Um, be amazing to, to oh. learn about. You mentioned that you were out in Palm Springs, I think, last week with a tour. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. I get goosebumps. (laughs) Um, Palm Springs Modernism Week is like the Super Bowl of modernist architecture. But it's more of, think, the Rat Pack and that that generation of Mm -hmm. hopefulness after World War II. Everything was exuberant, the space age. You had googie architecture. Um, think about Frank Sinatra and all of his buddies and all the just amazing parties they had and the amazing homes they lived in, flat roofs, lots of glass, bringing the inside, uh, the outside in, um, the mountains in the distance, the dry climate, building for a specific site, you know, the dry, hot, hot desert mm-hmm. and, oh. It's just, it's incredible. It so how so many fun. homes did you tour while you were there? Well, while we're there in um, in Palm Springs, we actually take over one of the mid-century modern hotels, the, and uh, that becomes our compound. Okay. And um, then we have our own architecture um, experts there to take our group around and get us into houses that are not on the tours that are publicly offered by Modernism Week there okay. in Palm Springs. 
who basically runs the whole event. There's even like vintage RV shows. I mean, there's oh, parties. Neat. We had, um, there was a party at the Frank Sinatra house. Um, U.S. Modernist, who is our national um, modernist uh, 501c for, um, for modern, that is operating um, some of those big fundraisers there. And we have one at the Kirk Douglas house. And so it is just, it's like pinch me. I bet my cheeks hurt when I, when I'm (laughs) through with that week, because we have just been grinning from ear Mm -hmm. to ear on all the amazing people we meet. um, Just the things that we get to see and do. And that's neat. I wanted to ask, is everything there modern? No. Or mid-century model? No. There's a lot of Spanish, colonial, okay. um, kind of, you know, with the clay tile roof, you know, because mm-hmm. that was also um, heavily influence, influential in the design in the Southern California mm-hmm. areas. And so, they're still building there? Yeah, they're still building there. So you'll have Frank Sinatra's house. Um, oh, my gosh. It's just incredible. Um, we were just there. You mean they're building? They continue to build? They can well, they'll, they're building, say they have the Frank Sinatra house that even today looks very modern compared to what all of the developers are building these days. Um, and then they're also doing very cutting edge, new modern, mm-hmm. um, like, uh, the Turkal house, um, you know, there's, and they'll have those open too. And mm-hmm. some people, some developers are also copying like some of the um, William Kreisel designs with the butterfly roofs, spec houses, um, and they're going for a pretty penny. I bet they are. <laughs> Angela, if somebody listening wants to tap into this tour, you know, be a, um, a participant in the tour, how, did, how would they go about doing it? Would well, it be through NC Modernist? It would be through NC Modernist or U.S. Modernist. Okay. Go at usmodernist.org under the events tab. Okay. Unfortunately, it is so popular. I think we already have a waiting list for next February's um, Modernism okay. Week. So it would be something you'd have to um, reserve very early. Plan way ahead. Mm-hmm. That's okay. Yeah. Um, that's really exciting. Thank you for explaining <laughs> that. I want to go now. Absolutely. It's so fun. Absolutely. <laughs> and then we also do tours to um, you know a lot of the Frank Lloyd Wright houses throughout the United States. Mm-hmm. Uh, I bet I, you go to Michigan and that's where I have seen Frank Lloyd Wright houses. Well, we're taking a group up in May to Falling Water, Kentuck Knob, and Polymath Park. Okay. Uh, Falling Water is probably the most well-known Frank Lloyd Wright house um, by the Kaufmans, and it was built over a stream versus right beside it, and uses a lot of just amazing technology for the time. Mm-hmm. Um, natural air currents come through from the bottom of the house mm-hmm. and naturally air condition the house. Oh, I mean, it's neat. just, uh, Frank Lloyd Wright was so cutting edge, mm-hmm. even though, you know, personally, he might not have been a good friend to have. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he was a little bit, um, yeah, well, at, at least he's a little bit of a <laughs> In an important area of his life. Yeah. Okay, well, let's go ahead. Before we jump to talking about niche marketing for realtors, I just want to tell um, a story that uh, I think is funny about how I met you. So I had clients when I first started practicing real estate who wanted a mid-century modern home. And uh, through MLS, I discovered a home that you were listing off of uh, Mount Carmel Church Road. And so we, oh, and you were uh, hosting a, an open house 
you know, something we don't do much anymore, but back then it was happening. So my clients and I went over for the open house and we rounded the corner of the street. I knew we were still like at least a quarter of a mile away. And all of a sudden we saw all of these cars lined up at the side of the road. And I thought, okay, well, somebody's having a party. Well, little did I know it was Angela Roll who was having the party (laughs) at this listing. Because as you explained to me, when you advertise an open house for a, a modern home in North Carolina, the community of fans shows up. Mm-hmm. You said to me, I don't even put out any any cookies or refreshments anymore because they get gobbled up so fast. <laughs> and when I went into the house, it, it was just, I swear there were a hundred people there <laughs> and they were sitting around in the furniture, just ooing and eyeing at the design, which really was a fascinating one. Well, that home that you're talking about was a 19, I think it was 1962 um, house that had sat on the market forever. Um, somebody even said that was the ugliest house in Chapel Hill. And um, Boy, the, it wasn't when we saw oh it. Oh my gosh. And it was built for a, a race car driver. So who was thinking mm-hmm. about things totally different differently than any of the houses in the surrounding properties. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Those were more historic properties and very traditional. Mm-hmm. Um, but this guy lived fast and he wanted a house that definitely represented something uh-huh, different. Uh-huh. Um, and so uh, the house was renovated. And so I got to see it while that other listing agent had the listing. And there were plans on the kitchen counter for a cherry cabinet colonial kitchen to go in that cutting edge mid-century modern Ooh. house. And I called the agent. I'm like, stop, you cannot promote this. You can't, this, this house is just too weird. And then you're trying to push it one way that it's never going to work. It's, but they it's had already a, renovated it. Hadn't they? No, well, when, I got, when to, I thought, yeah, I had looked at that house before, um, my seller, I, see. I you thought saved about, it. Yes. You saved that well, house. Well, I thought about it. it and I know you save a lot of houses. <laughs> so I try. That do. house was an interesting story because I had gone to the house, said, oh my gosh, what about if I took this house and I renovated it and did a slow flip, live in the house for a couple of years, then sell it. Um, and so I saw the house, went to a party at another house, and a friend of mine was there. And I am gushing about the house that I had just seen. Oh, my gosh, it's a train wreck, but we could do this and that. (laughs) And he goes, are you talking about this particular, you know, he gave me the address. And I said, yeah, why? He goes, I just bought it. And I was like, you are kidding. So that is how I was from, I was there from the very um, initial stages. I'm trying to remember the name of the architect that did the... Uh, or maybe he wasn't an architect. But he was renovator. Yeah, it was Barnett Adler. That's it, Barnett mm-hmm. Adler. Yeah, because my clients fell fell in love with that house. It wasn't quite right for them, but then they went on to try to work with Barnett Adler, which also didn't work out. But <laughs> they became big fans. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's one thing about modern architecture, and it is designed for its place and for its situation. You know, its time. And for the people that live there. So if you're ever working with an architect, they're going to ask you, what do you, are you a morning person? Do you like the sun coming in? How do you, how do you process things through the day? What, you know, they're going to almost do a a psychological assessment of you. 
to try to to bring forth the design that's most likely going to to bring joy to you versus the developers, they're just plopping them on a lot because they fit on a lot mm-hmm. versus looking at sun angles and, and, and different ways that you move through a space. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So that's, that's why a lot of the mm-hmm. modernist houses don't fit everybody. You mm-hmm. know, mm-hmm. I've sold houses that basically uh, the one at one learned place, uh-huh. uh, 4,500 square feet originally at one bedroom. I mean, you know, as far as real estate, that doesn't make any sense. Yeah. But they didn't care. Uh It was about them. It was right for them. It was right for them. They had so many interests. You know, uh, the wife was a sculptor. The, you know, they had a huge interest in music. So they would have chamber music concerts in the house. So the acoustics were very important. But that's just one example of. But it sounds like a lot of, maybe most modern homes have those kinds of very individualized stories attached to them. Something fun and interesting. And that's why there's so few that ever hit the market. That's why they're rare and precious Mm -hmm. is because Mm -hmm. once you have worked with an architect and you're paying way over market for that particular art piece Mm -hmm. of architecture, Mm -hmm. you don't want to sell it. A lot of my clients say they are going to roll me out of here when the time is done. Uh I intend to stay here until I can't live alone anymore. Mm -hmm. And that's why it's, you know, a lot of the the times that you'll see a modernist house, especially mid-century modern, they have been in one family since, say, the early 1960s because that was their home. That was, you know, the environment they created. Wow. Um, but don't you, don't you see when when somebody comes into a house and and you've got a buyer there? Yep. All of a sudden the that house starts different. singing to them. Yes. And you see mm-hmm. something go over them. That's that. that I effect. see the light in their eyes, mm-hmm. and, and I have even said to clients, I don't know, I don't see any light in your eyes. Yeah. This place doesn't light you up mm-hmm. the way I think it should. If if this is going to be your choice, <laughs> especially in today's market, oh, when they're paying well, so much yeah. more. Don't get me started <laughs> on today's market. Let's not ruin a good time by talking about today's market. Okay, but let's let's segue into niche marketing. Mm-hmm. So for newer agents or agents maybe that have been doing this for a long time and they're getting burnt out, but they have a passion within the field of real estate, how do you create that niche and how do you market it as such? Well, I can tell you my story. Um, I had gotten away from art and architecture. I was in healthcare IT marketing. And now that's pretty far away. Far, far away. <laughs> you know, I could see it in the distance. But it was a great job. It was the recession. And if you did any research, healthcare, IT, and marketing were the three oh my top gosh, yes. professions to have that were recession Wow. Um, eventually, I was so burnt out because all I did was, you would think marketing would be a very creative job. In healthcare, they can't. Everything has to go through clinical trials. It has to go be vetted by an attorney who basically whittles down your amazing marketing scheme to we have a product, and you know everything has to be proven. Oh, so it yeah, was kind that of makes a lot of sense for a creative. Having mind. watched it, we've all watched a gazillion <laughs> healthcare and healthcare related ads. So, yes. Yeah. So know there's somebody behind those going, okay, can we say this? Can nope, you can't say that. Wow. So oh. eventually I love doing trade shows. I loved being around people. I love design of the trade show booths and even coming up with all of the content 
that creative side was where I loved, but I wasn't getting that. And eventually I called my husband and said, I'm, I'm done. I'm done. I'm, I'm done. I'm going to see what, what I do, you know, just get back into art and architecture. And he's like, okay. Um, then he triple dog bared me because he knows that I'm very <laughs> logical kind of person. And I did. I, I, I quit. And I met George Smart about three months after that. Wow. I, um, as far as getting into niche marketing, think about what you're passionate about. Think about what made you happy as a child and the things that you had originally set out. You know, I want to be a firefighter or I, w- I wanted to be an archaeologist, um, digging in the dirt. I loved plants, I, you know, all sorts of things. So I really, I decided I was going to do something, quote unquote, intellectual or something just for myself one time a month. And mm-hmm. I went and saw George Smart talk at the West Cary mm-hmm. Library. <laughs> wow. And he was and, and that was your one moment in that month mm-hmm. where you were going to do have me time. And it set the path of, of my career in real estate totally in a different way. Wow. So um, what happened? You, you heard him speak, and then did you go up and speak to him afterwards? Well, like I said, I had been out of the architecture and design realm for a while. I graduated in the early 90s and hadn't really kept a lot of close uh, connections with those classmates. And George has given his Mayberry modernism talk about North Carolina modern architecture. And- Wait a minute, you lost me at Mayberry. <laughs> Is there a connection there between Mayberry and modernism? Well, um, George, that was the name of his talk. And I thought, that's intriguing, Mayberry and modernism, because North Carolina is known for, you know, the Andy Griffith show and all that, not so much for modern. Uh And so George was given this talk, and he's putting slide after slide of these amazing houses that, even in school, we did not visit these. We were too nose down in, in our projects to even go and explore the amazing architectural heritage that's here in North Carolina. Mm. And then all of a sudden he puts up this house and he goes, Oh, and this one won an award, you know, in 2012. And um, this is actually my house and it's by Vincent Petrarca. And I'm like, Vincent Petrarca, Vinny, Vinny that I graduated. (laughs) And then every slide was somebody that I knew from school and they're doing all this amazing work. And I'm like, Oh my gosh, I have been put in this place Uh and have nothing else going on because I had just quit my job cold turkey. Um, And I waited for everybody to talk to George at the very end of the the talk. And I went to him and I said, I don't know what's put me in this place with you, but I am, I'm your volunteer, whatever you need. And he goes, he looked at me like I was a stalker, (laughs) kind of a, you know, deer in headlights. And then I said, okay, I have a degree in architecture. I have major event planning. Um, I used to have my general contractor's license. I have a a keen interest in art. He he won the lottery that day. (laughs) He then says, he paused and then he goes, let's go have a drink. (laughs) So we did. And he tells Uh, me about some of the, um, the tours that they're doing and they've gotten enough traction now on the tours that they need somebody to help them. And the first uh, tour that I managed for, for North Carolina modernists was their LA confidential tour. And so they got to see a lot of the great houses, you know, the Ray and Charles Eames house there, Silver Lake. Then they also went to Palm Springs. I was not Mm -hmm. on that tour, but I was like air traffic control, you know, and, and figuring out what the next step was so that the tour would go, you know, seamlessly mm-hmm. smooth. 
Um, and a lot of people kept saying, who is this Angela woman? And why do you keep calling her for everything? She should be on the trip. Just cut out the middle van. Yeah. <laughs> so then George and I started doing a lot of the tours ourselves. Okay. Um, and then other volunteers would also be, we always like to have two people on a tour mm-hmm. um, to manage. And so that's how I got started. Wow. So that was 2014. And I have been on every every tour but one since then. Wow. So was it after meeting George that you then got licensed? I was in the middle of getting licensed about that time. Um, And the reason I got licensed is because none of the real estate agents that I was um, working with any of the time that I was looking for houses, Mm -hmm. they didn't know anything about architecture. Hmm. They couldn't, Hmm. they couldn't talk the talk. They were more like, okay, they were the, the speed bump, Mm -hmm. just open the door and let me in, you know? So I said, Angela, I have to believe people with your expertise within real estate are few and far between. Yeah. There's only a You're the only person I know with that kind of, you're, you're my go-to person. And I'm I'm glad to help. Thank you. You do it so incredibly well, but I'm wondering, um, I mean, are there other people like you out there that are just as an industry maybe haven't discovered? Well, I think that if I'm in such a very small niche, you know, um, I do sell normal houses, but typically it's, there's something different. There's maybe, oh, it is the biggest, baddest thing in the neighborhood, which there's no cops. And, you know, some of the, I call it advanced real estate. Mm-hmm. Um, places like Chapel Hill, we do have a lot more modern Mm -hmm. here. Um, what other areas of the triangle or of the state are bigger collection of those homes? So I would say Durham, Duke Forest. Yeah. Um, and the story with Duke Forest, as many people know, is a lot of that land was sold very cheaply to the Duke University, um, Professors. professors, personnel there, mm-hmm. um, because they wanted to attract uh-huh. a lot of people, you know, a lot of the higher minds to Durham. And that's why we have amazing houses there in mm-hmm. Duke Forest. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of times when I meet with buyers, I'm like, tell me if money were no ob- object and time was no object, what would your dream be? And I've had clients to say, I want a house built by such and such architect in, in Duke Forest. And I want it to be on this acreage. And I'm like, well, okay, we're going to be here a while. <laughs> but then you, if you have that uh, idea of the dream and then to work backwards from it, mm-hmm. I think um, understanding what really is is truly inspirational to people, I think um, mm-hmm. you can learn a lot from that. But as far as niche marketing, I would tell I would tell agents, new and old, if they're feeling, you know, especially agents that have been in the business for a while, if they're starting to feel burnt out and transactional, nobody wants to be a transactional mm-hmm. agent. Mm-hmm. We're consultants. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and we absorb a lot of that energy from our buyers and sellers mm-hmm. because we care, you know, yeah, um, more relationship, more relationship. Agents. But I would say if you're feeling burned out or if you're a new agent, Go back to what was inspirational to you. What, I mean, you hate to say sparks joy, but what I actually makes love you, that phrase. What does, yeah. yeah. What makes you giddy? What, um, I mean, architecture, <laughs> obviously people are like, oh my gosh, why does that woman smile so much? And people go, well, if you had her job, wouldn't you too? You know, I mean, it's well, your, just. And your enthusiasm is so contagious. <laughs> well, you know, and, and we have a lot of people that go on the tours because 
they enjoy being around people like a tribe, uh-huh, you know, to uh-huh. go and, well, yeah, wow. that's what I picked up on it. That open house people. you had that day. Yeah, because people were sitting. People they were not were leaving. Having, <laughs> no, they were. It, it was a party. It was a party of people who had a common appreciation and love for a certain kind of architecture. Mm-hmm. It was fantastic. And, and, you know, I've never been a real estate agent that has been, I've never cold called. I've, I did door knocking once and was like, oh, no, no, no. <laughs> this is not how I, you know, I didn't, uh-huh. I don't like it when people knock on my door. Um, and now with COVID, we don't, you know, we aren't even pressured yeah, to do that anymore. Yeah. But it was, what do I really feel comfortable with? Mm-hmm. Um, how, what, um, what makes me feel good about working with people and meeting people and what are my passions and really writing those down and really discovering, mm-hmm. um, you know, I think it, when you find those key pieces that everything just click, click, click falls into place. Mm-hmm. I, that is wonderful advice. Mm-hmm. And I think that also you can create that niche within not just architecture or type of home, but within type of client. Yeah. For mm-hmm. example, if you're somebody I, I've heard in not just one agent say, I love working with first time home mm-hmm. buyers. Mm-hmm. That's where, what I want my Boy, niche to be. Well, that would be a be. hard job right now. <laughs> it would be, yeah, those poor people. Yeah. Um, I, uh, initially my niche was older people uh-huh. uh, because my husband and I had downsized. We had relocated here from another area. So I had a lot, had and have mm-hmm. a lot of relatedness with that um, age group. And uh, not that I'm as old as, some of my clients were. That's, I think that's also one thing about um, finding your niche is the openness to learn something new every day and be excited about that mm-hmm. and celebrate it. And, and when I work with older clients, I love to look at their book collections like yours because you can discover what they, they're interested in, the different phases of their lives. I've worked mm-hmm. with poets before. Um, um, you know, modernist houses, they they lend themselves to creatives and intellectuals, mm-hmm. people who mm-hmm. think differently about their, their place and time and space. And, mm-hmm. oh, my gosh, they're the most interesting people yes, in the world. If you've flown around. That makes sense to me. That really <laughs> and, does. And so when, when you're going through their things, you know this is one of the most traumatic things to happen when they've got to leave the house that they love and go into some kind of retirement or assisted living. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, and a lot of times they're lonely. And to hear their stories and to to listen to them and to hear about the house. And my mother-in-law said one time, she goes, that young girl of 17, that young mother, that, that professional at 45, all those women are still here. And so I think about that. Oh, I love that. When I am meeting with, yeah. normally they're women, they're scared. Mm-hmm. And they're also having to leave the home that they've been in yes. and raise their children. It, which is traumatic for it most is. women. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think it is for some men too, but it's just, boy, it's it's pulling a heart away from yes. a physical structure. And then they're also concerned, who is my house going to be sold to? Yeah. And they hate to be transactional and go, I need the most money. Yeah. They want it to go to somebody that's going to really, truly love right. it. I had a client <laughs> who bought a true mid-century modern um, home in Governor's Club, mm-hmm. and the older woman who at that point was in her 90s um, knew that there were my clients and then an, another interested party. And the other interested party bid more. We got into a multiple mm-hmm. offer situation. The other people bid more 
but she wa- the owner watched them bring an architect in and overheard the conversation about all the changes that were going to be made. No, no, no. Whereas this was a, um, they referred to it as a, an unbastardized mid-century modern. Oh. And that's exactly what my clients wanted and, wow. and have kept true to this day. Wow. Uh, so, yeah. We we like to call People those are intact houses okay. versus unbastardized. <laughs> unbastardized. <Sorry>. <laughs> That's how it was marketed. That's oh all I can God. tell you. <laughs> it's a beautiful home. I'll have to get you over to see that one Love someday. All right. Well, Angela, thank you so much. This oh, has been It has been my pleasure. Well, this has been inspirational. It's been incredibly in- educational. And I know our listeners are gonna um wanna meet you. <laughs> <laughs> well, I wanna meet them. Your friend might start reading. <laughs> well, I do offer um you know, I understand uh, real estate is about relationships. And I can't have every listing for modernist or anything quirky and fun. I respect those relationships and a lot of agents will call me and say, Hey, do you, would you consult? Let's meet at the house, not the sellers not being there, but I also provide advice, um, you know, to, to help God because Mm -hmm. a lot of these, they have no, uh, no comps. So it's hard to Mm -hmm. figure out how to list it. Mm -hmm. Um, they, this agent might go, Oh, this thing is so weird. It has one bedroom up and the rest are in the basements. What's the market for Mm -hmm. this? Mm -hmm. Um, I can help with those kind of conversations as well. And my whole goal is to save the house and to find the best new steward for that house that'll protect our architectural heritage, but also understanding um, a farmhouse kitchen is not going to go into, mm-hmm. you know, a house by oh, Donald Stewart or, right. you know, something that was from the atomic age. Yeah. So if there's yeah. anybody that does need help, I'm, I'm available for okay, that too. Great. Mm-hmm. And Angela, you are going to be interviewed in, for another podcast, George Smart's U.S. Modernist Radio. That's right. And when is that going to happen? Well, it was supposed to happen this Monday, but I had something else that came up. So okay. we pushed it out. And the reason also is um, he wants to interview me about some of the preservation efforts. Um, there was a house in downtown Raleigh that was purchased by a developer in December. Um, the demo permit had already been filed. Um, the utilities had already been disconnected. I mean, physically disconnected, like the lines had been cut to the house. And I sent it, when I saw it was on the endangered list, I sent it to my clients and I said, do you want me to get the owner, the new owner a call? And they said, oh my gosh, you're telling me this house is going to be torn down? And I said, yeah, um, it looks like it's, mm-hmm. it's, this is probably a 3% chance of you making this work. Mm-hmm. And so I called the developer who had been avoiding all of the preservationist calls. And I said, I have clients that are very interested in this house and um, they want to know what number will light you up. I said, call me. So (laughs) he did. It happened. And my clients are under contract. We are supposed to close by the end of the month. And it is a Brian Shawcroft house built in 1982, but it looks much older. Brian Shawcroft was one of the oldest practicing architects in North Carolina and had originally designed mid-century modern houses and practiced. I think he still had one on the boards when he passed away in 2017. But we're going to save this house. I mean, 
it's it, it's thrilling when that is thrilling. You know, and Brian Shawcroft was a professor at NC State School of Design, well, oh, now the College of Design. So okay. it's all connected. Okay, my daughter will be listening to this podcast, <laughs> whether she wants to or not. Oh my gosh! Well, it's been an honor, truly an honor, to have you talk to us today. So thank you, Angela, and thank you. Um, good luck. Oh, thank with you so all much. of your projects, real estate wise and preservation wise in the future. Thank you so much. It has been my pleasure. Thanks. This has been an episode of Welcome Home, a production of the Orange Chatham Association of Realtors. Find us on iTunes, Google Play, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Podcasts.